0: The reading is taken from the the Good News, written by Mark, chapter 5, verses 1 to 20, and it's on page 1006 in the Bibles. Mark, chapter 5, verses 1 to 20, page 1006. The disciples went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to see Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. Jesus didn't let him. He said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. This is the word of the Lord.
1: So our topic this morning, the title of this talk is Can Good Triumph Over Evil? Let me begin, we always begin our talks just uh, by praying to the Lord that he would help us uh, as as we look at the Bible together. So uh, let me just lead us in a prayer. Father we pray please that you would teach us as we come to your word. Help us to be ready to listen Uh, and Father please uh, help us to be ready to respond to you. Amen. Well, we are uh, very aware, aren't we, of the existence of evil in the world. I think we have become more and more aware of it over the last couple of years. And it seems in the news and uh, in other places, people are more willing to talk of things going on in the world as being evil. Uh, we are aware, aren't we, of uh, the war in Ukraine, uh, just. This last September, Volodymyr Zelensky, President of Ukraine, spoke to the UN General Assembly, warning them not to make deals with Putin, and he said, evil can't be trusted. Of course, even in the last few weeks, uh, there's been the uh, war in Gaza and Israel, uh, and when the first attack happened, uh, the first attack, attack of Hamas uh, into Israel, Joe Biden said the act was an act of sheer evil. But we know, don't we, that evil is not restricted, of course, just to war zones, Recently, the BBC produced a programme called The Reckoning. I don't know if you've seen it. I decided I wouldn't watch it. Uh, but it was about Jimmy Savile and the abuses that he uh, committed, the terrible abuses he committed. Uh, the Guardian, In The Guardian newspaper, there was a review of The Reckoning. And it praised Steve Coogan for his portrayal of Jimmy Savile. But overall, the review, you, as you read it, the reviews, you could tell they were, they were feeling it lacked something, the program. And what they said in the final sentence of the review was really interesting. It said this, reminding us that evil exists and walks untroubled among us is not enough. I thought that was an interesting thing for them to say what's that reviewer saying about evil saying we know it's there we know it's among us and that it walks around untroubled despite our best efforts it just seems to be there we don't seem to be able to deal with it so our question is can good triumph over evil because that's what we want that's our hope But can it happen? Well, to begin to look at that issue, there's a lot to deal with in that issue. To begin to look at it, we're going to see what the Bible says in this passage in Mark chapter 5. An incident in which Jesus is confronted by evil. Evil. And we're going to look at the passage under three headings. If you want to, on the back of the sheet, uh, there are the headings there. So if you want to uh, follow through, you can. And the first heading I've put there is uncontrollable evil. Jesus, at the start of the passage, uh, is with his closest friends. And they've just crossed a lake. And they are confronted immediately by a man who is demon-possessed. In the passage, you'll have noticed, you might have noticed, it says towards the beginning he has an unclean spirit. And then later on it does say he's demon-possessed. Now, we probably just need to pause there and just uh, talk about that a a little bit, because there may be some here who would say, well, you know, I can see the evil in the world around me, but the idea of demon possession and the devil and that sort of thing maybe is going a little bit far. Maybe you think it's a bit far-fetched to be thinking about that kind of thing. Maybe you're sceptical. Well, just a few things to say to you if you are. First, um, is that the Bible's teaching on evil is not simplistic. The Bible doesn't say that all evil is caused uh, just by the devil or by demons. In fact, if you look at uh, some passages, one passage in particular, Ephesians chapter 2, you can pick out of there three things that it says about the cause or the roots of of evil. Uh, And they are, and it may be a list that you've heard of before, um, it is the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you can pick those three things out of that chapter. In other words, it it is saying that the world, that is, put simply, things out there. The flesh, that is, things in here, in me. And actually those two things, I think pretty much everyone would say, yeah, we can see that evil in the world is caused by those things. It's either things out there or things in here. It's not just them out there, it's also me too, that I do bad things. So yes, bad, evil, darkness happens because of them out there, but also things in here, in me. But the Bible does also include the devil as well, that is a personal evil being. And many have found, even those who aren't Christians, have found that they can't explain the depths of the evil in the world simply through those human factors, simply through the world and the flesh. On their own, they don't quite explain how evil things can be in the world, why people, states and systems can do such evil. So, for instance, a secular scholar at Columbia University, a guy called Andrew DelBanco, said in a book called The Death of Satan, he said this, A gulf has opened up in our culture between the visibility of evil and the intellectual resources available for coping with it. So he, not a, not a Christian as far as I'm aware, uh, a secular person is saying, actually, because we've got rid of the idea of the devil, we now look around us at the world, we've got rid of the idea, we say evil is it's probably either nature or nurture, it's the world or it's the flesh, but uh, actually that doesn't give us the intellectual resources to cope with how evil, how bad the world can be. We haven't got those inter- intellectual resources for coping with it. And so he's saying, actually, it does look like there's more. Going on out there as to why the world is as bad as it is. Well, the Bible does give us an explanation for that. It says, yes, it's the world, it's the flesh, but it's also the devil as well. That's just some thoughts for you if you're skeptical on those things. Now, one further objection which we ought to deal with uh, with this demon possessed man uh, is that some might say, uh, well, maybe the people in Jesus' time were mistaken. That's a, that's a thing people might say. They, they, they see this demon-possessed man in the story, or the, or the people of the time see this guy. Actually, they would say, maybe he's got a mental illness of some sort. But the people of the time didn't know about that kind of thing, and therefore just attributed it to uh, demon possession. Well, um, that doesn't quite stack up with the passage, um, apart from anything else, actually the Bible does know about, the people of that day did know about mental illnesses, and in a list of things that Jesus healed, there is also included in there, at one point in the Bible, uh, things to do with mental illness. So the Bible does know about those things, but also in this passage, it just doesn't stack up that it's a mental illness. After all, just to skip ahead for a moment, you've got that issue of the pigs in there, that the demons go out of the person into the pigs, the pigs run down the hillside and drown in the lake. Well, as one commentator said, uh, if people are trying to persuade us that actually this is just mental illness, mental illnesses don't tend to be transferable, certainly don't seem to be transferable to pigs, not in that number. And if you're going to go along that line, you've got to explain why this herd pigs for no apparent reason just suddenly decide violently to run down a hillside and commit suicide in a lake uh, which doesn't seem to stack up so yeah the passage is saying no it can't be anything else it's got to be demon possession so what do we have here we have Jesus being confronted by evil And as I put in the title of uh, of this heading, it is uncontrollable evil. That's why you have the backstory of this demon-possessed man in the first few verses. So if you have a look at those verses, if you've got the passage open in front of you, page 1006, what do we learn about this man? Well, verse 3, he lives among the tombs, but also no one could bind him. That is, they've been trying. He is uh, someone that the people can't cope with. They try to chain him, but the chains can't hold him. There is some supernatural strength here that he can't be chained. Uh, They tried to chain his hands, chain his feet, but it says, end of verse 4, no one was strong enough to subdue him. And he's in a terrible way, isn't he? Verse 5, night and day among the tombs, he cries out, And cuts himself with stones. And we learn later on, as I've already said, that actually there's not just one demon in him, there are many demons in him. Here is uncontrollable evil. Uncontainable. The people of the town would be able literally to say, evil walks untroubled among us. There was nothing they could do about it. You can imagine the fear of these people uh, for themselves and their families. Don't go near the tombs. Don't go out there. Don't go out at night because he might get you. And word goes out amongst the town. You can imagine if this demon possessed man happens to wander into town, word might go out saying, Don't go out. Don't go out of your houses. Don't go to school today. Don't go to work. He's in town. Evil is around uncontrollable evil and that's what we see in the world around us as well we may not see demon possession quite in this way but it is terrifying isn't it and uncontainable we may think we get it sorted in one part of the world or that one scandal is uncovered but of course then we realize it pops up elsewhere and there are other scandals and other wars it feels uncontainable So that's our first point. The second point in the passage is, (coughs) excuse me, Jesus' triumph over evil. Jesus triumphs over evil. So the confrontation happens. Uh, The man comes to Jesus, and I I just want you to see the power and authority that Jesus has over this demon-possessed man, over the demons. The contrast is very stark. At the beginning of the passage, this man is uncontainable. People trying to chain him, trying to to, to control him, but they can't. Jesus turns up and this man is just completely submissive to Jesus. Immediately he submits to Jesus. Verse 7, he shouts out in the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me the demons know they're no match for Jesus they know exactly who Jesus is that he's the son of God, son of the most high God they know Jesus is against them that's why they say don't torture me and all they can do is plead that Jesus not send them out of the area and that he might send them into the pigs and they do, they go into the pigs which demonstrates that the exorcism had worked Uh, And that there were indeed many demons in this man. So what we see here is Jesus' total authority and, and power to deal with evil. Like grandparents suddenly dealing with grandchildren. Parents maybe have been trying desperately to get their children to do something. Grandparents turn up, suddenly they can do it immediately for them. Well, maybe that's not your experience, but sometimes it happens. But here we see Jesus just commands these evil spirits. He's even better than a grandparent. He just commands these evil spirits and they obey. It is effortless power and authority. And it goes with the context of the surrounding passages. Just, if, if you've got the passage open in front of you, just see what happens before and after this passage. Because it's very striking that Jesus shows power and authority over several things that we don't have power and authority over so the previous passage Jesus calms a storm it's a terrible storm on the lake uh, where the disciples think they're going to drown and Jesus just deals with that storm now we can't do that can we we had a storm, I'm never quite sure how you pronounce it Kieran, Karan, Kieran, whatever it is that storm last week that hit, we didn't have the power just to stop that did we we couldn't go out there and just say quiet, be still you'd look a, an idiot wouldn't you but Jesus could do it with this storm, just command it, and it stops. He has power and authority over the storm. In this passage we've just read, power and authority over evil. In the next passage, uh, it says Jesus raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman. Jesus showing he has power and authority over sickness and even death. So do you see, Mark is putting together three passages there which show Jesus' power and authority over things we don't have power and authority over. It's so easy for him to deal with these things, to deal with evil. And notice in the passage we had read, when Jesus deals with evil, there's no battle. It's not difficult for him. He doesn't have to summon up the strength. He doesn't have to look up the right words to say. There's no build-up to a great battle of good versus evil. In fact, it would make quite a dull film, really. Jesus just commands. And after a short conversation, the demons leave. Jesus just commands them. Now this means we have to have a a little bit of a shift in our thinking, doesn't it? The Bible doesn't actually talk about a force of good. But rather it talks about God, who is perfectly good. It says God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And so we might need to change our question, rather than saying, can good triumph over evil? I mean, I set the question so I can change it. Rather than, good, can good uh, triumph over evil? Rather, can God triumph over evil? <coughs> and in the New Testament we meet Jesus. ...doing these incredible things, having power and authority over things we don't have power and authority over. And the disciples in the previous passage, when he's calmed the storm, ask the question, who is this man? And the demons in our passage know exactly who he is. They say, he is the son of the most high God. Which doesn't mean in any way that he's less than God. No, he is God. God come with the power and authority of God, walking on earth, dealing even with evil. And so the Bible is saying the hope for the world, the hope of good triumphing over evil, rests on this man. And he demonstrates here and elsewhere, he is the one who has the power to deal with evil. So, can good triumph over evil? Well, the answer is yes. So we might then ask, well, why hasn't he? If Jesus has this power and authority, why do we still see evil in the world around us? And to answer that, we need to come to our third point. Jesus and the kingdom. You see, we need to realise Jesus is up to something that is a bit different from maybe what we might expect. You see, he doesn't in this passage and in the rest of the gospel, he doesn't turn up like a superhero in a, in a film. You know, they turn up, sort out the bad situation, deal with the baddie, and just leave. His mission, his purpose, is more than that. And to understand this, we are going to need to look a little bit outside this passage. Although there is a hint of it towards the end of the passage... At the end of the passage, the reactions that people have to Jesus, I don't know as we read it whether you notice, but they are a bit weird, aren't they? The, the demon-possessed man, or the man who was demon-possessed but is no longer, is now sitting, dressed, and in his right mind at Jesus' feet. And when Jesus wants to leave, when Jesus goes, uh, Jesus, he wants to go with Jesus. And Jesus says to the man not to go with him, but to stay. In verse 19, uh, Jesus did not let him go, but he said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So it says the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. little hint there, that obviously you're saying that Jesus is the Lord, Jesus is God. Jesus says, go and tell them what the Lord has done for you. And it says the man went and told what Jesus had done for him. Jesus being the Lord. So the man wants to be with Jesus, but Jesus says, well, no, actually, I'm going to send you to do something else. But the people of the area, well, having heard what happened and having come to see Jesus and the man no longer possessed. Verse 15, it says they're afraid of Jesus. At the end of the verse, it says they were afraid. And verse 17, it says, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. I think that's really weird, isn't it? That Jesus would come and deal with their biggest problem, and they say, Actually, we don't want you here. We want you to leave. What's going on? This man wants to be with Jesus. Everyone else says, We don't want you around. Well, I think that's hinting at, pointing at a little bit more what Jesus' mission is. What's his purpose? Well, like I say, we've got to look a little bit outside this passage. When Jesus first comes onto the scene at the beginning of Mark's gospel, the very first thing that Jesus says is this. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come, come near. Repent and believe the good news. You see, when Jesus came and lived on earth 2,000 years ago, he didn't merely come to do good things, show his power and authority and then leave. He came talking about a kingdom, the kingdom of God. And he said the kingdom of God was near because he, the king of that kingdom, was there. And he shows the nature of the kingdom, doesn't he? By his actions, that he can deal with evil, he can deal with death, he can deal with sickness, he can deal with the storm. He shows his power and authority, he shows the kind of kingdom it is. It is a good kingdom. And then as he went from saying these words in Mark's gospel, he then comes and finds some fishermen. And the first thing he says to them is, come and follow me. He doesn't just say to them, be good. Or, be more religious, he says, follow me. That is, be a part of my kingdom. And that's what repentance is, that's mentioned here. When he says, repent and believe the good news, this is the response that's needed. That is, uh, to become a part of Jesus' kingdom. To stop living for ourselves and start living for Jesus. To be one of his people in his kingdom. And that's actually what Jesus is about, bringing people into his kingdom. That's why in the passage you see the the man who was demon-possessed wants to be with him, to follow him. And Jesus says, actually, as my follower, I've got another task for you. But you also have the people saying, we don't want you here. Jesus seems to have this reaction from people. It's either wanting to follow or they really don't want him either to be in his kingdom or reject it. And Jesus actually still wants people to join his kingdom. As it says elsewhere later on in the New Testament, in the Bible, God wants to bring people from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his son. That is the kingdom of Jesus. Which is telling us that actually that's where we are. We are in the dominion of darkness. And we are part of that darkness in the world. But we might ask, well, how can we go from one kingdom to the other? How could we go from the, king, from the dominion of darkness to Jesus' kingdom? After all, we've already seen that evil is not just about demons or the devil. It's about the world and the flesh. That is, it's about me as well. Evil isn't just out there. It's also in here. Not that we're all demon-possessed. But we all have evil in our hearts. And so we all need Jesus to deal with that evil. And the way he dealt with evil in us, and this would take more exploring if this is new to you, the way he deals with it is by dying on the cross, taking what we deserve so we could be made clean and could come into his kingdom. And this, the Bible says, is why Jesus hasn't dealt with all the evil in the world yet. 2 Peter, later on in the New Testament, tells us God is being patient. In fact, it says this. He, God, is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, to turn, to come into Jesus' kingdom. He wants more and more people in Jesus' good kingdom, washed clean by Jesus and brought in before he fully and finally deals with evil and darkness in the world. So, can good triumph over evil? Yes, Jesus can and will. But he is waiting for more people to repent, to come into his kingdom. A good kingdom. I hope you want to find out more. If this is new to you, I hope you'll want to find out more. Do keep coming along to our services on Sunday mornings, 10.30 Sunday mornings. Come along to the sports quiz as well. Come along to the carol service. Come along to any of our services to find out more. And in the new year, we'll look to run a course for those wanting to explore the Christian faith more. There is, of course, a huge amount more that can be said about good and evil. And I'm very happy to chat about it afterwards, uh, to have questions and chat about it. Over more coffee, if you're feeling a desperate need for even more caffeine. Let me just finish this part by praying for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus came to this world and showed his power and authority over evil. But thank you that he didn't just come to uh, show us that power and leave, but actually to build a kingdom of people following him. And we pray that more and more people would turn to him, see his goodness, and want to follow him. Amen.